Hey guys, this is Neha and I will be hosting today's episode. So welcome to FinRoo. We have started this podcast as an informational series for our clients and hope to cover various topics in finance. So keep sending in your questions and comments so we can make our future episodes more useful for you. Now with any new technology, there are going to be teething issues and there are going to be instabilities. So if you are involved in the crypto markets, you should ask the difficult questions and understand the risks that are involved. Not only that, but crypto is highly speculative and you should approach this with caution. Isn't that the case with the traditional finance, financial investment as well, Abhishek? Can that be the case? Yes, of course. Uh, any kind of um, investment that you uh, do comes with associated risk. And that is what helps you earn your returns. You know, if you're not going to take risk, you should be happy with the risk-free rate of return that the government gives you. So yes, to an extent, uh, you need to take risk to get your returns. Okay. So in this episode, I want to discuss some of the points of concerns in a concern in this space. We can't cover every angle, but this should give you, the listeners, a starting point to ask the questions you should. So coming back to you, Abhishek, in the last episode, you said that volatility was a huge reason why you were apprehensive about this space. Were there any other reasons for your reasons for your skepticism? Yes, actually, uh, you know, this whole blockchain technology is still nascent, probably been around for the last six odd years, but it's constantly evolving. I have read about uh, it recently and, you know, its applications, but I still felt that it has miles to go. Coupled with the fact that there's so many of these coins and tokens on the exchange. Now, how do you know which one is eventually going to last five years down the line? So there's a general lack of knowledge with investors or with people uh, such as me who don't follow uh, crypto as a topic uh, very closely. Plus, the most important thing is, at least in India, I don't know about uh, regulations abroad, but there is no regulatory body. You know how we have a SEBI or an RBI. So there's no one regulating uh, these exchanges. So that was my primary primary concern. Yes, as of now, the bill still hasn't come out uh, in uh, in the session. So I guess we're still a bit of a question mark on that one. Vadi, do you have anything to add to this? Uh, you know, knowledge is power. So the more knowledge people have about our cryptocurrencies, the better they can make their decisions. Hey, guys. Uh, glad to be back. And uh, yeah, there are a lot of questions around crypto. It is a nascent technology. There are a lot of coins. There is a lot of hype. And regulation is being worked on and it's i guess the one of the challenges with regulation is that this is a global market and because it's decentralized there there is no there is no governing body as such every every country makes its own rules and every country approaches this in the way that they think is best for its citizens um that's in part the problem you know countries are trying to regulate something that's decentralized in nature yeah, it, it is a challenge, but I think uh, people are making inroads into it. The The U.S. is one of the biggest uh, crypto markets today, and the SEC is actually actively trying to find ways of regulating it to make it safe for investors. So I think, rest assured, it's it's being worked on, and I think everyone wants to, or the people who are in power want to actually find a way to bring this technology to investors. They want to make it safe for investors rather than blocking it. You know, some countries have expressly stated that they want nothing to do with it. And I think in the future, those countries are the ones that are going to suffer. Yeah, regulation will come and hopefully it's something positive. 
to um, to speak to Abhishek's earlier point about you know the the variety and the 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 plethora of coins out there and how to know what to invest in the way you approach the crypto market is the way you approach any kind of um, any kind of investing you know you investing is essentially taking money that you have now and putting it into something a vehicle that you think will do better for you in the future and and either store your money in that so that it doesn't devalue or make more money uh, with it in the future and with any kind of investing it's it's knowing what's out there and trying to trying to essentially predict what people are going to be interested in, in in the future so you know just like how you might look at um, you might look at Tesla and say okay well more people are going to be driving electric cars in the future so Tesla shares are going to go up or more people are going to be using computers or phones in the future so I'll buy Microsoft and Apple you know it's it's the same with all these cryptos you know some people say okay well this company is proposing to have a solution um, that's going to change people's lives in the future so I'm going to buy some tokens of that company in the hopes of the price is going up so I think that that's the that's the attitude that people who want to make money in crypto have. So what you're saying, Raddy, is that uh, you kind of need to go back and understand the the technology behind these coins, what they're trying to achieve, and what they're contributing to society, to people, to governance, whatever it is. Yeah, I um, I think that's that's the right approach. And I think when it comes to so understanding Bitcoin and understanding cryptocurrencies, I think are there are two paths that lead towards the same direction, but they, they're slightly different. You know, I think a lot of a lot of the reasons and a lot of the benefits to Bitcoin uh, lie in its ethos and its philosophy, whereas a lot of the benefits that you can get from other cryptocurrencies and smart contract platforms have more to do with what the value proposition is of those companies. So can you shed some light for our listeners as to where or how they can go and find out more information? Is it on the website of these coins? Um, what's the best way to understand the technology behind these uh, cryptocurrencies? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've always said that because of where we are today with technology and with uh, YouTube and the Internet, everyone has access to all the information in the world should they should they want it. Right. So um, there, there are a lot of YouTube channels. People do review on coins. They do announcements. They break down products and they explain it in very understandable ways. Uh, the websites help. There are a lot of Telegram groups. Um, I think because the world is so hyper connected nowadays, if you really want to find out information about anything, it's only a few clicks away. So maybe uh, after this episode, I can add it to the description if you can recommend some podcasts or channels. And I'm happy to add them in for our listeners. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so coming back to these type of uh, coins, uh, Abhishek, could you relate this to micro caps? You know, you know how this volatility and the instability is. Yeah, I was thinking of the same actually. You know, I could relate because I have an equity background, and you know, uh, let's say there are three thousand odd listed companies on the exchange, but most of them, uh, but only a handful, are worth uh, researching or investing. Yeah, penny stocks, uh, right? Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of these micro caps which are either operator driven or, you know, uh, they're controlled by a group of investors. Uh, so I can I can understand. I mean, you know, even on the uh, equity uh, exchanges, not everything uh, is worth looking at and you need to do your research. So I'm assuming uh, there's a similar kind of tale 
here in the crypto markets. Okay, that, that's uh, that's really interesting to try to bridge the gap between traditional finance and crypto. But coming back to uh, what I want to discuss is things that our listeners should you know, know about and be wary about when it comes to the crypto space. I was wondering, Raddy, if you can shed a little more light about why there is a little bit of fear around this space. Yeah, I think the fear comes with the responsibility. Um, we've, or most of us have grown up uh, with the knowledge that our money is our money, but someone is controlling it for us or someone's taking care of it for us. You know, banks or traditional finance and financial institutions are the custodians of our money. Um, we have access to it, but if something happens, the bank is responsible or the federal government is responsible for, you know, helping us get out of a tight situation. Uh, with crypto, it's slightly different. You are the sole person responsible for your assets. You know, that that's what um, the saying, I don't know if, uh, if the listeners have uh, ventured into this, but they would have heard a saying, not your keys, not your coins, which means it, it speaks to uh, holding your private keys to your to your coins and being the person who is responsible. And, you know, a lot of a lot of people who get into it at first have anxiety around this because, you know, they're they're scared, you know, just just the other day, um, the the story of the guy who uh, lost uh, a lot of Bitcoin in Wales many years ago by throwing away a hard drive. He's still looking for that hard drive in the dump. And, uh, you know, th those coins are now estimated to be worth half a billion dollars. And it's still um, he still has enough incentive to keep looking for them. But, you know, people are terrified of that. You know, the idea that your life savings could somehow uh, vanish because you've thrown out the wrong piece of paper is um, is very scary. So but I think one, there, there are enough. Um, I think this is this is slightly uh, a sensationalized view because there are enough ways you can actually once you become comfortable with the idea of being the custodian of your own wealth, there are enough um, there are enough things that you can do, enough safeguards that you can practice in order to make it um, a lot more comfortable or become more comfortable with the idea. Other things that affect the space are definitely on the legal front and the regulatory front. I think people are they they hear all these things happening that scare them. You know, if if something if something is going to be regulated against, and they don't want to get into it. And you know, there there are a lot of lawsuits out there. There are a lot of uh, battles being fought in courtrooms, and I think that scares people away. Yeah, I've heard a lot about these lawsuits as well. Uh, I think most of them are in the US, from what I understand. Could you shed some light on it? Yeah, so um, one of one of the more popular ones is it has to do with Tether um, or USDT, which is a stable coin. And it's... sorry to interrupt you here. What do you yeah. mean by stable coin? Yeah, um, a stable coin is a crypto that is supposedly backed one to one by a physical fiat dollar so um tether claims or what i mean tether is it's not the only stable coin out there there's uh usdc there's some algorithmically backed stable coins there there are a variety basically it's stable coins were created so that people could quickly and easily exit the crypto market into something that is like a fiat or a digital fiat and then quickly get back into the crypto markets without having to wait for the money to exit the exchange and go to their bank and then back from their bank into the into the exchange. So Tether is essentially 
or has proposed that for each USDT coin, there is a physical US dollar sitting in their bank account. I see. Yeah. And one of the one of the, the lawsuits is um, basically the government or the, the SEC trying to figure out whether Tether can provide enough proof that it is actually back because some people say that it's not. Um, and Tether is very closely tied into, into Bitfinex. And um, I think that the lawsuits all come from a, from, a, from a place of concern by the authorities for the investors. And they just want to make sure that everything is above board. Uh, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a big push for KYC. There's a big push for, uh, for safety for the investor. And I think it all gets sorted out, but it all gets sorted out very slowly. So um, I think there, there will come a time when these things are non-issues, but at the moment they, um, they do cause some concern. So, you know, you were talking about uh, Tether being backed by the dollar or Tether has backing. You know, what I want to understand is, what about the other cryptos? Are they backed as well? And this is one query that uh, one of our listeners also had from our last podcast. If you could throw some light on that. Yeah, sure. Um, I think so. This this goes back to the this goes back to the debate that some people have, or the questions that some people have um, about what what backs Bitcoin. And I think um, essentially the the thing that backs Bitcoin is. It's, it's, it's ethos and philosophy. You know, what, what backs gold, for example? It's the same, it's, you can ask that same question. You know, um, up, to, up to 1971, the US was on a gold standard and the fiat or the US dollar was backed by gold. You could walk into a bank and you could give them a $10 bill and they would give you $10 worth of gold. But after the, the gold standard was abolished, you could no longer do that. So what backs the... What backs the U.S. dollar is belief in the government and the military and belief in the powers that be. Uh, so it, it is a bit of faith. Uh, what backs gold is a 5,000-year-old tradition where people have realized that gold is hard money. And it could actually, what, what essentially, what, what it does is it secures your future. It lengthens your time horizon, right? You could, you could do work now and store it in this physical asset that didn't decay or depreciate over time. And you could then benefit from your, from your work in the future. That's essentially what hard money is. And we as, um, as a people have always strived to find the hardest money possible. And until Bitcoin came about, gold was the hardest money. And then when Bitcoin came about, it actually, it became harder money than gold. So that's what backs essentially the, the philosophy behind Bitcoin. And it's, it's it's nature is what backs it you know and the, the fact that there is scarcity in bitcoin there is there there is a it's even scarcer than gold in that tomorrow if um if we send rockets into space and start doing space mining and find an asteroid that has gold reserves on it the value of gold will depreciate because there will be a, a surplus of gold you know that, that's hypothetically speaking as for other cryptos they are backed by their their value proposition you know they and and Yes, yeah, supply and demand does does uh, factor into it, but essentially, you know, what backs what backs the idea that Microsoft will do well, or what backs Apple? You know, it's the same thing. These are companies with a with a value proposition. They have they have products that they create, and people value those products, and then put their money behind those products. I think it's a bit of it's a bit of belief, and it's a bit of uh, supply and demand. And if you understand the principles that govern Bitcoin 
then this would be an easy thing to understand. You know, if if anyone has an issue with what backs Bitcoin, um, they need to go back and they need to look at the principles of Bitcoin. And then if they understand those clearly, they'll understand what backs Bitcoin. Okay, Radhi, I, I agree that there is obviously a lot of philosophy behind it and what you believe in. But I think that's also the case for any kind of investment, whether you're investing in mutual funds, whether you're buying a house, there's there's a reason why you're you're buying these things or investing in these things. So I want to understand a bit more about why Bitcoin. You also mentioned that, you know, if I understand the principles behind it, I would want to back it. So can you elaborate a bit more on that? Yeah, um, you know, from, from a technical perspective, Bitcoin being immutable, decentralized, censorship resistant, deflationary and scarce um, all add value to it. And I think, yes, the, the, the philosophy behind it is what drove people to, you know, the, the philosophy behind the hard money and this need to capture value in the present and store it for future use is what I think ultimately drove the, the creation of Bitcoin. It wouldn't have existed without the philosophy, but it is also valuable in that the, the principles that back it are very much in the real world. You know, the, there, is a, there is a physical cost to securing the system and, you know, validating the ledger. And, you know, this, this proof of work aspect to that gives it real world value. And what about some other coins like, you know, Ethereum has uh, smart contracts. Now, do you think that adds value and that is why Ethereum oh, is popular? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, Ethereum is essentially programmable money. You give money character in a way. And I think that that adds immense value. Okay, great. I mean, a major reason for cryptocurrencies being created was believed to be the gaps it can fill in the traditional financial system, you know, sending money abroad or more control over your funds. And just for its good points, it also has its gaps, some of which we have discussed. It's nascent. It's still quite volatile. And you have to, you know, get yourself educated on uh, how to invest. And, it's, and if there's some kind of settlement issue, no, there's not going to be a bank that will help you settle it. You are in control of your funds. Who knows what the regulations are going to do in the future? But as of now, there are gaps as well. We've tried to give you information for you to now go out there and start reading on your own. And um, we will put up some uh, links uh, where you can get more information about the crypto space. But the fact of the matter is that we can't just ignore this space and the technology because there are a lot of people involved. There are a lot of things happening in, or in and around it, and you should be aware of it. El Salvador adopted as its legal tender. And as Radhi mentioned in the last episode, Bitcoin transactions exceeded PayPal's. So yeah, there's a lot of things happening. Might be hype, might not be hype. That's for you to decide. So um, do have a look and don't forget to send us your comments. Um, now, coming back to our social experiment where we track uh, Abhishek's experience with investing a small amount of INR into crypto, how do you feel about going ahead with it? So Neha, like you said, it's a social experiment and I'm willing to invest only the money that I'm, I can afford to lose. So this will be a tiny bit. Once I'm invested, then I can get acquainted with the space better. Lack of knowledge is also dangerous. And uh, through this experiment, I hope our list listeners can also benefit. And I will also kind of um, try and follow uh, the news around it more closely. Yeah. Um, from an investment perspective, this is all highly speculative. You know, it's, it's akin to having invested in the early days of the Internet. 
But I think the reason why people are are so keen on taking a small gamble is because of the the potential rewards. So you know, like we said in the last episode, this is not um, you know you should never invest more than you're willing to lose. And um, most people only invest a very small part of their portfolio to begin with. So I think if you're happy to explore uh, any kind of future rewards or the, the the rewards of what this could mean, you know, in five to ten years, this is definitely something to to look at. Um, no, I agree. I mean, you know, we start small, understand the space, understand the um, regulation aspect as it evolves, uh, you know. And of course, we uh, if things work out, then we increase our uh, contribution towards uh, crypto in the future. Yeah. So were you, I mean, I know last time we kind of left it for you to go and pick an exchange that you're comfortable with and try to, to onboard onto the platform. Were you able to do that? Yes, I did actually. Uh, you know, I chose one of the platforms you mentioned in the last podcast. It was a quick sign up. Uh, they ask you for a KYC. I think all you need is your PAN and Aadhaar. Uh, now, most of these uh, exchanges have uh, their own app as well as a, 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 a web version. I personally recommend that you do this KYC through your desktop or a laptop. It, it's much easier that way. Um, so at, you will need the physical copies of uh, PAN and Aadhaar when you do it. So wh- when you're filling up the form, you know they ask you to take a photo. Uh, I actually tried... Um, so I had these first on my mobile phone. And so uh, I tried to keep my mobile phone next to the camera, but it wouldn't accept it. So it somehow knew that it was not the original copy. Only when I got the original copy, did it take the photo and accept it. But the whole process was fairly quick. Uh, you know, it kind of just needed five minutes, uh, a few minutes extra for uh, me being cheeky uh, and trying it over my mobile. Uh, but it was good. It was not too yeah. bad. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really happy to hear that because, see, you know, Crypto is vilified, you know, crypto is still holds this um, character of, you know, um, criminals and shady activity. But the, the fact that all the exchanges and all the platforms have such stringent KYC rules is, you know, it, it's great to see because when when you realize how difficult it is or, you know, how how um, how structured it is to get on an exchange and actually be a part of this world, you realize that, you know, it's um it's probably more legit than people make it out to be in the media. When you're doing your bank uh, KYC in the second stage, you will need the two-factor authentication. So opt in. So just to continue, you know, uh, the second stage was to actually transfer the money. Now, here is where I faced a little bit of a problem. All right, uh, what I found out was most of well most of the banks that I bank with were not onboarded uh, as their preferred list of vendor. Uh, so I could not do a bank transfer. Uh, I could not opt for internet banking. They also had a UPI option, which did not work for me. The only option that I could avail of was using the MobiQuick wallet. Yeah. All right. So I already had a MobiQuick account. Uh, but even there, uh, you can't use your credit card. Okay. So it has to be a debit card. And once I did that, again, uh, it was instant. Yeah. Uh, so the money transfer, uh, once you've loaded on your debit card details, is instant. That was my experience as well. Which platform did you try using? I tried Vazirx. Ah, so the I had a similar pro- problem with CoinDCX as well. When I signed up, I could only use MobiQuick, but not credit card, only debit card. 
I, I think this is this is really a factor of the current uh, landscape of crypto in uh, in India, and with more regulation and more attention to the space, I think this will change. You know, even though the exchanges are above board, they're um, they're absolutely legit businesses. They still face a bit of tension from the banking industry. You know, because the banks do control. They they still have they still have accounts that are linked to banks and that's that's how they that that's how they do financial operations in india so once once regulation settles i think this should um this space should open up a bit more sure just recently i was reading that kotak bank had a tie up with wazirx uh, so i went back and uh, checked but they've still not added them as a preferred list of vendors so i'm i'm, I'm looking yeah. at that space i'm hoping that uh, okay. they kind of get onboarded as well uh, but one thing that did happen was again uh, Mobiquick asked for some fees. There were some transaction charges involved. I think it was one and a half percent. So that is something also to be aware of. Yeah, I think um, India is almost in a bubble when it comes to crypto because they're they do charge quite a bit for the privilege of being part of this. So hopefully, you know, once once the space becomes more competitive, hopefully these fees get lowered. Okay, thanks, guys. Um, I think we've covered quite a bit of information in this uh, episode, gone through uh, the things that some of the things that you should be aware of, uh, better knowledge in this space will help you more. Um, lack of knowledge can, like any other space, be uh, dangerous, as Abhishek said. You know, once again, I want to point out that this is not financial advice. This is an informational series. And, um, you know, so please proceed with caution. Uh, the regulatory bill is not out yet, so India is definitely in, uh, you know, in a speculative landscape as of now. Hopefully, in the next few weeks, we should have a better idea. Send in your comments and questions in our uh, in our post below, and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.